before Sunday school started or before church started. But I've got three messages rolling around in here. And there's a lot of empty space up here, so there's a lot of room for stuff to roll around. So I prepared a message. Here's the notes. And we'll just see where we go this morning. But as I was thinking about all of the things that are going on in the world and and I, I really don't like the news. I mean, I think we need to know what's going on in our country. We need to go know what's going on in the world. And as we look forward to the Lord coming back, as Carice shared with us, He is coming back. And we can pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus, that He comes quickly. But I read in Psalm 46 this morning, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. But if we go back into that, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very pre present help in trouble. When we got troubled times, we can turn to the God who created everything because he is our refuge. He's our foundation. Some of you know we're working on rebuilding a house. And as I'm working on rebuilding this house, it reminds me of how we should be building up ourselves and the church. We've got to have a foundation. And as Dave and Ron can tell you, there's not a whole lot of foundation in this house. So we're starting with the foundation and building up. And that's what we need to do. We need to have a solid foundation with which to stand on today in the church. But, I'm loud, right? Later on in chapter 46, what does it say? It says, be still and know I am God. How many of you have ever asked God for something and then you're like, oh, he didn't answer me? You know why sometimes I don't think he answers us? Well, I think he answers us we just haven't taken the time to be still and let him speak to us. We're always in a hurry. Always in a hurry. When you leave here, you're going to get in your car, you're going to push that gas pedal down, and you're going to fly. You're going to get home, get to lunch, go wherever. But sometimes when we pray and ask God for something, we need to just slow down and sit there and be still and let him speak to us. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 John. First John chapter 2. First John chapter 2, verse 1 says, My little children. That's born again ones. If you're you're a child of the king. You're a little child. Because we are. My, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Jesus Christ is our advocate. God deals with his children personally. You ever had a time when you knew that God was dealing with you? Have you ever tried to be doing something and we're trying to get ahead of God and Him go, uh-uh, 
I'm in charge. And he put the brakes on? I guess he did. He's fine. Sometimes God just puts the brakes on and says, no, you're, doing, you're trying to get ahead of me. You're doing something you shouldn't be doing. I'm going to deal with you. But aren't you glad that we have an advocate that we can take our request to him and we know that he answers us if we just listen to him instead of trying to get ahead of him? He's my advocate. He's not going to let anything happen to us that's out of his will. You know, a lot of, a lot of liberals will, will say, well, you know, and, I, and I've, I've heard it. Well, I had to cast this demon out of this believer. You know what? A, a believer cannot be demon-possessed. Because what fellowship does light have with darkness? They don't go together. If it was dark outside and Sue turned all the lights off right now, it'd be dark in here. And it's darkness. But when she turns the lights on, it's light. They don't go together. But can Satan work on us? Oh, yeah. I heard a pastor recently say, if you're not fighting Satan, you're not doing anything. He don't care about people that don't do nothing. He doesn't care about the unsaved world because he's already got them. But when Christians are trying to serve God and do what they should be doing, Satan's going to fight them. He's going to send his little minions after them to try and do, get them to do things that they shouldn't do. But what do we do? We can go to God. Martin Luther one time said, one with God is a majority. And I'm on the side of the majority. Now, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Micah. a really big book. Some of you are going to have fun finding it. If you find Jonah, go just past Jonah. Micah means who is like Jehovah is the literal translation. And it's a very short book, but he has three separate messages in the book of Micah. And we're going to look at one of those messages. But the first one if you look at chapter 1 of Micah, in verse 2, he says, Hear all you people. It's addressed to all the people. And then in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Hear now, O heads of Jacob, and you rulers of the house of Israel. This second address, or this second message, is to the leaders of Israel. And then chapter 6 starts out, Hear now what the Lord says. And this is a personal word to Israel to repent and return to God. How many of you ever been in court? This is the closest thing I got to a gavel. You looked at this passage... paying attention 
Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, O you mountains, the Lord's complaint and your strong foundation of the earth. For the Lord has a complaint against his people, and he will contend with Israel, or he will bring charges against Israel. This is like being in court. Now, if you've been in court, and the judge walks in, does everybody laugh at him? Everybody's talking when he walks in, right? Ever seen somebody be disrespectful to a judge? Oh, no, I, I was in a courtroom one time. I was on jury duty. And, and I, I ended up getting dismissed. And this one gal, she wanted to be dismissed so bad. And the judge was ready to go home for Thanksgiving. And she said, if you open your mouth one more time, I'm going to hold you in contempt of court. And I'm like, I'm getting out of here because I've just been dismissed. And I was thinking, this lady's being disrespectful. But imagine you're standing before God in court, and he is the judge. Because what's it say? Hear now what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains. Let the hills hear your voice. Hear, O you mountains, the Lord's complaint. And you, strong foundation of the earth, for the Lord has a complaint against his people, and he will bring charges against Israel. God reminds Israel that he is a righteous God. But he's also defended them. Isn't it wonderful to have God on our side? Are you glad that God's on your side? Because who can stand against him? No one. says in verse 3, Oh, my people, what have I done to you? This is God. He's asking the children of Israel, What have I done to you? And how have I wearied you? Testify against me. How can we testify against God? We can't. But he's telling the children of Israel, testify against him. Verse 4, For I brought you up from the land of Egypt. I redeemed you from the house of bondage. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Oh, my people, remember now what Balak, king of Moab, counseled, and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him from Acacia Groves to Gilead, that you may know the righteousness of the Lord. says, why have you turned against me? Why have you rejected me? What have I done to you? But he delivered them. He's reminding them that he's the one who delivered them out of the hands of Pharaoh in Egypt. He didn't leave them there. He delivered them. Verse 6 says, what shall I come, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the holy God. 
shall I come before him with burnt offerings with calves a year old? The children, they, they're asking questions here. What shall, I, what shall I come before the Lord? What's wrong with God? Why is he displeased with us? Aren't we doing all the rituals, all the things that he asks? We're going through all the outward forms. We're doing all this stuff outwardly. We come to church on Sunday. We look good. Mm -hmm. we, we get all dressed up. We come, we come to church on Sunday. We look really good. We fill up the offering plates. We do all the things we're supposed to do. But what's inside? What's inside? And what are they saying? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings? With calves a year old? We know from the law what was required of them in the law. What can I bring to God that he needs? What can I give to him that he really needs? Give myself. He's up there and I'm down here. But what does he want from us? How am I going to reach him? How can I communicate with him? Sharon bought me my birthday present. It's not my birthday, but she bought me my birthday present. She bought me a new telephone. Huh? Oh, I've got me a really cool phone. It is, it is the neatest phone that I've seen. Actually, I saw one at Donna's house the other day. We were up at uh, Kitty's daughter's house. And we, I got me a new phone just like hers. It's, it's about this big. It's black. You pick up the handle like this, and you go like this. It's in the original box. It has, you know, the little piece of paper you wrote your phone number on and stuck in the middle? It still has the original piece of paper that came with it. But you know what? I can't use it to call God. It won't reach there. Not even if I had long distance. I don't need that phone to call Him. I can communicate with Him on a personal, one-on-one -on -one basis in a relationship with Him. How can I please Him? The children of Israel wanted to know this. They're like offerings, you know. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? Look at verse 7 of chapter 6. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sins of my soul? He doesn't want all of that. You know, there's a lot of people that, a lot of cultures and groups that still believe in human sacrifice. That's not what God wants. He doesn't want our firstborn to be sacrificed. What does God want from us? In Leviticus, we see five different offerings that were required for the children of Israel to do um, that they were to make for him. But were they adequate? 
so many people think, well, I've got to do something to make God happy with me. I've got to give more. I've got to do more. That's not what he wants. It's not what he wants. The unsaved man says, I can go to church. I can be a member of that church. Can you imagine? I believe today, I honestly believe today that if the rapture was to happen before we got out of church, there would be people still in church. There are probably even pastors in pulpits today that will be left behind because they've never accepted a free gift that God gave to us. We, we've got it backwards. We can't give him anything that he hasn't already given to us. He gave us his son to die on the cross for us. Can you believe? It was last week was Easter. It seems like way weeks and weeks ago, but it was just a week ago that we celebrated the resurrection of our Savior. His death, his burial, his resurrection. What, what do we need to do? Acts 16.31 makes it pretty simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He took care of it on the cross for us. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil? Not what he wants. Some of the liberal... Liberals out there preach that, that, oh, you give more, you do more. The cults, they, they preach works. It's not by works, it's by the blood of Christ that saves us. What does he require? We could sing it. We did, right? Verse 8, he has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To do justly, you must have a righteousness to the presence to God. You you must be a righteous person. You must have, you must be just in your dealings with others to, be, to do what God requires. We need to know how to take care of others. If you go on in this passage in verse, verse 11, it says, Shall I count pure those who with the wicked scales and with the bag of deceitful weights? How do we deal with others in our dealings? It says to be to do justly. We need to deal with people that we come in contact with in a just way. One of the commentators that I, I read on this, he said it's like with this the honest weight, it's like the butcher that you go to. Some of you might remember. Some of you won't have a clue. But you go to the, the meat counter years ago and you'd tell him I want a half a pound of hamburger or a pound of hamburger and he'd cut it off and he'd put it up on the scale 
Well, the, the butchers, some of them were known for having a thumb scale. You ever heard that? That thumb hits the scale and makes that little half a pound of hamburger weigh three quarters of a pound? That's what, that's what this is saying here. Shall I count pure those with the wicked scales and with the bag of deceitful weights? They didn't weigh stuff properly. God tells us that we need to deal justly with those that we come in contact with on the outside. They look to us to see how we behave on the outside. To love mercy. We are not only to love the mercy of God, but also to be merciful to those that we're dealing with and how we deal with others. We talked the other night about, uh, well, Mike talked this morning about our deacons fund. We have people that have needs. The mission takes care of people. They show mercy to people who have real needs. And obviously they figured out how to they have some system to know whether there is a real need or whether there's not a real need. We have to do that. And we're to walk humbly. And how are we going to do this? can't do it in our strength. We cannot do this in our own strength. Do you think you can do any of this without God's help? No. I was thinking about it, and we we hear people talk about living by good morals and stuff. Where do we know? How do we know what good morals are if we don't believe the Word of God? What is the standard that we weigh things against? Against God's Word and what God says and how we should be. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. All three of the things that Michael lists are works of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. That we should be just, love mercy, and walk humbly before God. Aren't you glad that as a believer that we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit to guide us through this journey? We can't do this in our own strength. We have to pray and ask God to show us. Look at verse 9 of Micah chapter 6. It says, The Lord's voice cries to the city, Wisdom shall see your name, hear the rod, who has appointed it. Wisdom shall see your name. Do we cry out to God and ask Him to help us every day to get through this, this journey that we're on? Sunday, Palm Sunday, and this morning I woke up and 
just kept running through my head. And I almost did the whole message on just this one verse this morning. Be still and know that I am God. It says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. He is with us. Never leaves us. Will never forsake us. He's always there no matter what we're going through. No matter how tough it gets. God is always there with us. Let's pray. Father, we cannot go through this journey of life without you. We cannot do anything in our own strength. But we know that you are the one who sustains us. We know that you are with us. We need to just stop sometimes. And Father, help each one of us. Help me to just stop and listen when you're calling out. Father, we know that you will take care of all of this, that we we see just so much, so many problems, so many things going on around us uh, here in our own town, in our state and country and the world. But Father, we know that you are the one who is in control. And I just pray that you will help us to remember that, that nothing happens that you have not allowed to happen. And Father, that we might walk in a manner that's worthy of being called your children, that you will just guide us, direct us. Father, just show us how you would have us to walk. Father, that our testimony will be one that will be pleasing to you. That we might do just. And that we can love that mercy that you have showered us with. And that we can walk humbly with you. So that the world out there can see you shining through us. And Father, I do pray for those that are not with us today because of illness. Father, I pray for that you'll just restore them to health and bring them back next week. And Father, that as we go out of these doors today, this is our mission field. Fairmont and the surrounding community is the mission field you've called us to. And I pray that you'll just put people in our path this week that need to hear the truth of your word. I pray this in your most precious name. Amen.